Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Another week of the pregame postgame podcast. Jim Zoki, Mike Pacheco with you as we uh, wrap up the win over the Giants. Obviously, a great win with Graham Gano's field goal and get ready for the Washington Redskins. First of two road games coming up for the team this week. But Gano, Mike, named the NFC wow. Special Teams Player of the Week, obviously. 63 yard field goal will get you that there. But uh, that was one of those great moments in Panther history. You know, 24 years of doing this now to see something like that. I mean, that's a generational kick to see something of that length. And one of the most dissected plays. I can remember. It seems like everybody did a story of of how uh, how this kick came to be, which is kind of, to me is a little bit on the interesting side because obviously because it's sixty three yards and you know maybe a little bit outside of what you would consider his range to be. Um, but th- this thing has been uh, more analyzed than the Zapruder film, I think. <laughs> just, just, just the decisions going into it, and Chase Blackburn was watching more. Back into the right, back, back into the right, the right. <laughs> no, back into the middle. Not, <laughs> we don't want to go right. It kind of went goal. to the right. It, 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 yeah. Kind of. Um, but, uh, but it just tells you the, you know, you know, just how good a kicker Graham Gano is, you know, I mean, I mean 53 would have been a stunning 53 one. would have been, yeah, that would have been great. This and was that, good from 68. They were yeah. Saying. At least maybe even yeah. 70 they were talking about. And, you know, people remember the kick a couple of years ago against the Falcons. Um, so that was kind of in the back of people's minds, but you know, unfortunately, I think maybe it shouldn't have got to that point. I felt the Panthers were uh, maybe the dominant team that day in the eight, right. more than eight minutes in time of possession. But, you know, things happen. You know, a couple of turnovers on both sides. Um, but what a thrilling finish. And, and to me, it's got to be a top five all-time Bank of America Stadium highlight uh, when you go back yeah. to all 24 years of Panther, I guess 23 years of Bank of America Stadium because yeah. first year was at Clemson. Yeah, there's been some great ones. The one that comes to mind for me when people were asking about it this week uh, on, on WBT was uh, Jake DeLome's first game yeah. where he comes off yep. the bench at halftime, yep. opening day against yep. Jacksonville, the 2003 season where they would go on to the Super Bowl and finding Ricky Pearl because it's fourth Ryan. down. Yeah. It was fourth and sizable, whatever it was. It was not sure, like nine or something like that. Fourth and goal or whatever from right. the nine, whatever it was. And they make the play, and Ricky Pearl scores a touchdown. Beat yeah. Jack. So that began the whole right. run, obviously, right. that year. But in terms of just great games, not Bank of America, I, I just – for the, the the thrill and what it meant, double overtime in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. That's, we'll just the yeah. Steve Smith is just impossible to top until further notice. Yeah. But there's been some other great moments at Bank yeah. of America. Yeah. I mean, uh, think about Brian St. Pierre and Gary uh, Colbert. <laughs> <laughs> Had not occurred to me as a top five moment till now, but yeah, that, that might be for, a top for Brian St. Pierre. That's, that's one of his top yeah, five that's moments. Definitely. That's for sure. I, I go back to Luke's interception uh, against the Patriots that Monday, Monday night, night game. game. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a that was a that was a big finish. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember? It was like two, three years ago. It might have been um, 2015. I just remember there was a game. I forget which game it was off the top of my head right now, but I just remember maybe it was the clinching game for the playoffs and just 
the press box was shaking. Like we were doing the post game show after the game. And that happened like twice, maybe, and, where you could feel yeah. the, the concrete. Yeah, you could just sway. feel it. Sw- I mean, yeah, yeah, we were moving. And as we taped tape this during uh, Hurricane Michael, the remnants, <laughs> tropical <laughs> storm Michael, the house is not swaying, so we're in good shape. No, here. it's it's we're, it's, we're, it's got good bones, as they good, say. The, it's the got house does. It's um, you know, I, I just think back to all those great moments like that and the memories. Um, going all the way back to '96, uh, they beat Pittsburgh at home. Chad Cota interception yeah. in the end zone, and that clinched the playoffs for the Panthers. In fact, the division title with Dom Capers mm-hmm. uh, was the coach here. So for those who go way back to the early years in the 90s of the Panthers, uh, that was another great home moment for this team too. But it was fun. It's good to see. And they're 3-1 and one at the quarter post. So, well, needed. can you imagine if you don't kick a 63-yard yeah. field goal, you're 2-2 two and two, getting ready to go on the road to Washington and Philadelphia back-to-back. And typically in a situation like this, you're hoping to, you know, split basically is the, the expectation. You like to win both. But realistically, you think, you know, tough to win twice in a row on the road, which they might do. Uh, but you would think, you know, God, you're going to be 3-3 three and three after six games with all the talent on this team. But They've had a lot of injuries, and uh, thankfully uh, they're heading in with a good record now. And the offensive line, um, I think, has continued to, to gel and get better. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not the concern. I think it was two, three weeks ago. Uh, I think we still want to see a little bit more pressure out of the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, uh, you know they did have a couple of interceptions. And, you know, Mike Adams had uh, a really good game. You know, Eric Reed um, still kind of working back into football shape. Did okay. You know, nothing spectacular. But I, I know um, Eric Washington said on Monday that, you know they were they were pleased with what they got out of him, so that's that's going to be good. And then you look at on the offensive side of the ball, or no, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball for a minute here because I, I don't think we, not that we can I say the collective we, not you and me, but like Thomas Davis has been on people's minds. But to be three and one without Thomas Davis and Greg Olson, yeah, I mean you got to be pretty thrilled with that. Now TD comes back this week, you know he's been working out, so you know they will kind of work him in. Um, you know, and the game's going to dictate. You know, a lot of time, how many times do we hear this going into a week when a guy comes back from you? Oh, we're going to see how. And then it's a it's a tight game, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy plays like the whole, you know, like a lot of snaps. So I think it's going to be fun to see him TD come back because that just brings an already quick and speedy defense, gives a little bit more that big playmaker ability. Because yeah. what did Ron say on Monday? You know, he's or yesterday, he's good. What for you know four or five explosive plays a game? Yeah. And to get that back into your defense, um, you know, that's going to be a big, big plus. Him and Luke and Shaq all out there together, yeah. finally. So that's going to be terrific. As you said, Reed, I think every week will get better and probably get more reps every week in terms of snaps. I think you know, really got him on a snap count right now. I was talking to Marty Herney uh, yesterday, and I said, will you bring TD back the way that you brought in Reed as far as kind of limiting what he does? And he laughed. He goes, that's going to be really hard to do Yeah, <laughs> TD means so much. And TD has been, you know, working out, knowing that he's coming back to play football. Whereas with Reed, it was up in the air when and if that was going to happen. So uh, TD should be a little bit further along as far as where he is. Of course, he had the whole preseason right. and all that too. But there's also that uh, that comfortability to have TD back. I mean, there's also the you know the emotional leader, and he's he's an aggressive player, and he, he makes plays when he's in there. And the, and then there's that unit camaraderie with, with those linebackers. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I don't want to overstate the importance of this, but I, I think having him back in is is going to add another element to this defense. Have you been shocked by the lack of pass rush last three weeks, though? Three sacks in three yeah. weeks. Especially after the first week. Yeah, six. Went six. And then last week, the only one was Luke Keekley staring Eli Manning yeah. to the ground. Yeah. The week before, they didn't have any. And even that sack by Keekley was like a one-yard loss, two-yard right. loss, something like that. So it wasn't a big play as it turned out. But I've been a little bit surprised that as a, as a unit, they've not been able to get as much pressure. Again, that's not everything. They're 3-1. and right. one. They're winning games. 
but this defense has often been predicated on that. Coach Washington was talking right. – uh, on Monday at his press conference, and he said, you know, a lot of it is teams are scheming against them. Right. You know, quick slants, ball yeah. comes out quickly, right. tempo of game, things like that. So some of it is there's just not the opportunity. But he said that's not an excuse. We should still get pressure and win one-on-one battles. Well, I think when you've seen the Panthers uh, have trouble defensively, for the most part, um, has been when you've had like a Matt Ryan or a Drew Brees, you know, guys, guys that have that three-second quick release – and that is that, that almost does negate the pass rush because if you can't do something that quickly, um, so those are those are the areas of concern I think when it comes to that. But yeah, I I, I think the the running game have done a good job of shutting down the opponent team's running game for the most part. You know, Barkley only had what fifty yards um, on on Sunday, and you did see some some good tackles for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. But it, yeah, the pass rush to me has been an area of concern. Yep, offensively, I think it's just going to keep evolving and. Um... It's nice to win when you don't have your best day. 350 yards is nothing to, to sneeze at. It's not bad. But, you know, Cam Newton, we've, we've gotten spoiled by him putting up big numbers. McCaffrey putting up big numbers early in the season. So, didn't see a whole lot of that from either one of those guys this past week. And uh, we'll see. Washington got lit up on, on Monday night. Yeah. 41 points against Drew Brees and in, in the Saints. So, maybe it's be a big opportunity for the offense to have a big game coming up Sunday. But, you know, I think with Cam, numbers are such a – numbers don't really tell – the story or even complete the story with Cam Newton because we've seen how many times we've seen games where he's maybe in that like 17 to 30 range passing maybe 190 yards touchdown maybe two touchdowns no interceptions but you know maybe he has you know 50 yards rushing and a touchdown and, and he's distributing the ball around I mean I, to me you know he's almost more of a point guard back there as well right. you know um and has that kind of that mentality so it's I don't really worry about the numbers with him except that he is on my he is my quarterback my fantasy <laughs> so football you do team. worry about the numbers. so personally I worry about it professionally uh, I mean to me the big numbers the, the Cam Newton numbers that to me that are, have the importance are uh, touchdowns rushing touchdowns and interceptions yep. which he had two picks this past yeah week, and if so. he's not turning the ball over then you know when, when that offense does not turn the ball over um, they're tough to beat. Josh Norman had a horrible game it'll be fun to see this matchup this week with yeah he got Cam benched going maybe he got benched. You know, he's he, afterwards, he just always has goofy things to say. And I just feel like I feel like his right. game has not been quite as good as when he initially left that first year to Washington. But, you know, it is interesting because, you know, there was a lot of consternation among Panther fans with the with Dave Gettleman's decision to walk away. And I remember at the time saying, you know, there's the emotional side of the decision, which you don't want to see him go because he was you know a big part of the team um, contributor, fan favorite. Um but when he came out of Coastal Carolina, I think he was like 23 or 24. It wasn't like he was 21 or 22. Right. So, um, you know, you can't beat age. You know, I mean, and age, I think, crept up with him a little bit. Not to say that, he, you know, an extra year of him wouldn't have been went bad. You know, I think everyone would have probably preferred that both sides had agreed to, like, the franchise tag and maybe he played one more year and then mm-hmm. maybe take it from there. I think that might have been the, the preferable outcome. But I think when you look at the long view, uh, you know, at the money that, that – that Josh Norman was looking for, I think you'd have to say that, you know, maybe that wasn't the worst decision that, that Dave Gettleman made. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this before with other, you know, shut down corners, so to speak, where it's like that window is like a running back sometimes where it can close after, you know, yeah. three, four years of dominance. You can become pedestrian to, I'm not saying this for him, but for some others out of the league right. pretty quickly, it seems like it can happen. For well, some I think the big that. knock on him was, or going to Washington was, you know, I think some people, I think one of the, um, taunts from the other night with uh, Mike Thomas was uh, that he's a system co- system quarterback. Yeah. You know, that he's a zone, zone, a zone, cover, guy. zone cover guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, 
I mean, that's 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 attacking your pride. Although we remember when he was here, his, his one of his best seasons was they weren't even throwing to his side of the field. Like yeah. he had three, yeah. four picks in the first right. two, three weeks, and teams just quit throwing to his side of the field. Yeah. That's how good he was. But I was thinking to like someone like Darrell Rebus, guys like right. that who are oh, so yeah, dominant Reeves, yeah. and like right. immediately right. like a like a like a Ladanian Tomlinson running back right. just fall off like all at once. So it can I'm, again, I'm not saying I'm not predicting Josh Norman's no, done, right, but right. I think he may not be the Josh Norman of three years ago. Especially at that position, you know. I yeah. mean, I think it's rare that you have, and usually we're talking about safeties, you know, like guys like Roman Harper and Mike Adams. You know, I mean, I think it's rare that you see, you know, corners extend that long. Not that it can't happen, but it's you know that it's a speed like running back. You don't see running too many running backs over thirty. And Adrian Peterson's gotten a second wind when healthy. Yeah. Got banged up last right. week, of course, but um, you know, he had that really good opening game this week, and so he's still got some fire about playing some good football. It is interesting with Washington uh, this week, though. I mean, they're they're kind of a they remind me a lot of the Cowboys, just in the the big picture sense of things. You know, there's there's always swirl around the Redskins. There's never tranquility. There's always uh, personnel decisions that are always questionable. Uh, you know, Jay Gruden, I think, starting to get um, second guessed quite a bit. Yeah. You know, it, fiery owner, fiery owner. Yeah, I mean, that's Jerry Jones. Yeah. You know, in a Dan nutshell. Snyder, yeah. yeah, but Dan Snyder, that's an interesting combination, and and kind of the uh, that meddling owner. Too, I think that's kind of so. I don't know. I mean, I, that doesn't really necessarily play into the on-field stuff, but you know, with Alex Smith now there, um, it's gonna be. You know, I think this is gonna be an interesting game because you want to get pressure, obviously. On that, you know, Alex Smith is probably a little more mobile than people give him credit he is for. Actually, yeah, yeah. So I think that's gonna be. I mean, he's not Cam Newton, let's, but uh, th- that that's one of the matchups I'm looking looking forward to. And you know, James Bradbury to me has. I don't know if people are talking about him enough. I mean, he's done a really – he's really come along. When we talk about Josh Norman, I yeah. mean, he's the guy that replaced That play Josh he Norman. made where he broke up the touchdown oh, in the end yeah. zone, stuck his arm in there. I mean, that's taking six points uh, off the board absolutely. right there. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't get enough credit. So, I think, yeah, Panthers are in good shape going into this one. So, we'll have the pregame show at 10. I'll have that, of course, to call with uh, Mick and Eugene in English. Um, <laughs> Spanish guys are getting a lot of right. love, deservedly so. Our good right. friends Jamie and Luis Moreno have had a huge yeah. week. Shirts, Ganola, Ganola. shirts, national media, they're just America's darlings right now, or Jamie and Luis Moreno. And we see those guys all the time, so we, we appreciate them. But they're they're great, and they're fun to listen to. It makes me wish I'd taken Spanish in yeah. high school. I took two years of French, which I can only speak ten words of. But uh, they're a great Rosetta Stone-based uh, thing if you want to like, listen to a broadcast and learn Spanish at the same time. What, yeah, what would, the, uh, what would the French version of Ganolo Ganobi be? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Le good. <laughs> Le kick is good. <laughs> I, again, did not retain or pay attention much. I had to take two years of language, and I just picked that one. Well, I Seemed took easier. Latin. That didn't really uh, Yeah, unless you get a doctor really writing help. prescriptions. Right. Really not a, a lot of calling for that. So a week ago, we were sitting here. I was excited about I had not only one, but I've adopted the Braves. Uh, in addition to my Indians, as two playoff yeah. teams. I am completely out of baseball teams here. <laughs> Mike, as we sit here, is wearing a Boston Good Red time. Sox shirt. Uh, because they move on. And I will tell you from watching every inning almost of that Indians-Astros, I had a bail in that last inning or two when it got to be 11-3 to of that last game. Houston, like Red Sox, are just a complete team. This is, I want to say, the first time since the 90s that there's been two 100-win teams matching up right. in, the, in a league championship right. series. And the American League will get the, uh, the home field advantage in the World Series. So it's, it's I mean, that's not necessarily on the line, um, if you will, but both teams a lot of firepower. The interesting about the Red Sox, this is not the Red Sox that I grew up. You know, this is actually the Red Sox that I grew up with were more like the Yankees this year. You know, big boppers in the lineup. Um, 
But when the Red Sox can score runs in so many different ways, and you know Mookie Betts continues to play well, and and it, I'll tell you what, Alex Cora might be a little underrated. I mean, I think that may change if he wins the World Series this year. I, I was a little concerned um, just from the standpoint of coming into the season. It's like rookie manager. I know he came from the Astros, you know, lifelong baseball guy, but he made some good decisions in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the call to bring in Brock Holt. In, in game three to yeah. kind of reignite the lineup. And then the guy goes out and gets a cycle. Now, granted, the home run the, came off of a position player. Uh, but it's the first cycle ever hey, hit in the postseason, in the postseason right? Yeah. So, uh, And then Chris Sale coming in, pitching an inning in, in game four, which I thought was a good decision. And I think it was a good decision that he only pitched. I went back and forth on this during the game because I was thinking he breezed through in the eighth inning. And I'm thinking, all right, why not have him come out and face like a hitter or two and then bring in Kimbrell? Which in hindsight probably would have been the right play, but Kimbrell, uh, you know, loaded up the bases. And then, you know, Angel Hernandez, most people in this day and age don't know Everybody knows Joe West. Everybody knows Angel Hernandez. Right. CC Sabathia, certainly. Well, it's interesting. Sure. Well, they've had a history, you know, and. They did. I thought they did, the TBS crew did a nice job during the game. I thought because they brought back footage from like an April game in Anaheim, where CC Sabathia had some words with Angel Hernandez, and it was like middle of the game. I mean, this is an April game. You know, zero. So, it's not new, right? Yeah, so it's not new. So I don't know if you. Obviously, I'm picking Red Sox because that's 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 how I roll. But uh, it would not surprise me if the Astros repeat as World Series champions again. That that team is. You know, stacked. You know, you have Verlander and Garrett Cole and Keuchel, and then and that's not even talking about the offense and Altuve and all, Springer, and, and they play good defense and they have good pitching and and you know they have, now they have a good closer. Um, the guy they got back from the from the Blue Jays. So, it's I think it's going to be an exciting series. I I think that actually the other series I'm interested in too, obviously is the, the Dodgers Brewers, just mm-hmm. because you know the Brewers kind of. I'm gonna say they were out of it in August, but you know they they weren't a team that people were saying, "Hey, that team's gonna be a World Series contender." Right? You know, I mean, the Dodgers. You know, the, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, but uh, I think the Brewers are an interesting story. And Christian Yelich, I mean, yeah, Christian Yelich on TV right, very often. <laughs> right. And now for Knights fans who who do follow the White Sox, I mean, there's like a bunch of guys from the White Sox that are on the Brewers, and Tyler Saladino, who's a utility guy, one of my mm-hmm. favorite Knights players of all time. He's he's on that team, and then you look at you know Soria's in there, and um, Sedano, so they, they, it's. Um, I think that's going to be a fun team to to watch. I, unfortunately, I don't have tickets to Miller Park. That, Miller, Miller, and Coors. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> there's a theme. That was the uh, yeah. That was the uh, so if the we end up series. if we end up with a Brewers Astros World Series, couple of things. One, it's amazing how many people have already forgotten or didn't realize that Houston won it last year. Right. Two, how many people won't know who's the American League and who's the National League team between the right. Brewers, and, Brewers Astros. and Astros? People are still struggling with that, <laughs> even though it's been a long time since they switched. And three, will anybody who doesn't live in Milwaukee or Houston be paying very close attention to a yeah. Milwaukee? Houston? I would like personally to see uh, Dodgers, Red Sox. Dodgers, Red Sox would be that's the one I want. That's the marquee matchup. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the one that people would look for. And you know, the Dodgers last time they won was '88. Yeah, it's been a long time. So it's been a long time for them. Bulldog Hershiser. Yeah. So, well, day. I mean, the good news for uh, yeah, the good news for the National League is if the Dodgers were to win, or the Brewers, I mean, it'd be a long time for both teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with the Red Sox and the Astros, it's been more of an embarrassment of riches. Astros being the defending champs, and the Red Sox have won three since '04. Um, so, I mean, there's a generation of kids growing up in New England that don't know. <laughs> 
that the Red Sox were at one time the lovable <laughs> they used losers. To be bad. No, I mean, because I was thinking about that the other night. Like, like the universe has changed because, like, what the Red Sox did to the Yankees and have done the last couple of years, back, going back to 04. I mean, it's basically what the Yankees used to do to the Red Sox. Like, oh, I'll toy around with you, and now we're going to beat you right. and then go away. Obviously, yeah. And, All and, those years, 20, yeah. what, 27 right. titles for the Yankees? Right. Well, then you throw in what the Celtics have done, and obviously the Patriots. And the Bruins winning. I mean, there's, there's like a generation of kids in New England that, that think that brats. yeah, they are spoiled brats. Yeah, yeah. Get off my lawn. Wait till Brady retires and you know, <laughs> yeah, years wait till Brady retires. Yeah. Wait till Larry Bird retires. Oh wait, he did. <laughs> and the Celtics are good again now. All right, so lots going on. A random question of the week is going to be weather related this okay, week. Okay, weather. And not so much on or of, but because of the existence of Hurricane Tropical Storm. Michael, and real quick aside, uh, thanks to Julius Peppers and Cam Newton donating hundred thousand dollars yeah. apiece to Hurricane Florence victims yeah. and. Uh, Julius going out to Roberson County this yeah. past week, spending time down there. So that's uh, greatly uh, noted that those guys have taken the time personally from their hearts to do that, along with others. Uh, worst storm-related thing that you can recall uh, being in, I've got two quick ones for you. One is a kid uh, growing up in uh, Cleveland. Uh, we had an uh, aunt and uncle lived in uh, Cincinnati. And I remember arriving at the same time as a tornado that was visible oh, wow. was arriving. So truly could see the twister yeah. in Cincinnati, Ohio, as we went to their house and immediately went down to their basement and began our visit there. But the other one was uh, not that long ago. It was more like about, I'm going to say it's like 20 years ago, it was like late 90s, had a WBT planning trip, different management than what we have now because they're all gone. Uh, but we were at Kiowa, and we stayed at, with Rick Jackson, our general manager. There was four of us that played, Steve Sklenar, and the um, it was a hurricane coming. But it's one of those things like there's a hurricane coming, yeah. but it's coming like tonight. So we're going to play yeah. golf at Kiowa, right. the ocean course. I'm not going to miss this, right? right, right so right. we go out, we go, well, let's at least go try to play nine. We get out there through about six holes, and Kiowa's windy anyway. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. The wind starts picking up. It's getting crazy out. We're like, all right, this is just bad timing. But at least we said we played six holes, and it was crazy. Right. But we got to get out of here. But, I mean, staying while, like, the rest of the island was deserted and evacuated that morning and the night before. And then when I hit the road – it took me about eight hours to get back to Charlotte, wow. on a trip that normally would take about four because, yeah. as you can imagine, just roads were just right. backed up getting right. the heck out of the coast there. So I did get six holes in at the ocean course that day. So was the deciding factor when you hit your drive and after about 50 <laughs> yards it made a U-turn and like came back right at you? Well, it ends up behind you, <laughs> behind yes. You, it's like, maybe it's time to go on home. Yeah, well, the good news is you hit it on the green. Just It was the green behind you. <laughs> exactly. Not the one in front. He was toughing up on its own. It doesn't need hurricane-strength yeah. winds with it. So uh, my uh, my big weather, uh, actually, was I was a youth a youth when I was a youth. Ute. These two uh, youths. Yeah. Uh, so the blizzard of 78, everybody uh, in <clears throat> right. the Northeast knows about that. Blizzard, big blizzard. I mean, it, it shut down the Northeast Corridor for, for a couple days. Um, so I'm the youngest of four, and we had, in the house that we grew up in, we had uh, our driveway was obviously next to the house, and then we had like two little walkways, one that went to the driveway, and then one went out to the street. So it was like an L, and then, of course, the driveway. So for three days, my parents would not let me out of the house because there was so much snow. Every time they would shovel, they would keep making the banks higher. So it started to look like a World War Two or World War One like trench. So they <laughs> were afraid that I'd be caved in. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't. I could not leave the house for three days because of the blizzard of 78. And That's then amazing. I finally got to play in the snow and – we built tunnels and igloos and snowball fights and had a lot of fun. But like you, we had so much snow growing up in the Cleveland area that it doesn't even stand out because it was just something that we dealt with half yeah. the year. Yeah. <laughs> At least four months out of the year. My birthday's in April. I had a track meet once in school where it snowed on my birthday yeah. in mid-April during the track meet. Actually, this kind of counts too. Um, th this is directly affected by weather. So 
I think it was 2008, Matt Ryan senior year at BC, and I was doing studio updates for IMG for Boston College, so I'd go to Winston-Salem. The guys at IMG were really cool because every time BC played, uh, if they came somewhere in North Carolina, South Carolina, they would let me do the updates from the booth, like, you know, one game. So we picked that. It was a Thursday night. be perfect. Um, there's really not a lot going on, but it would just be fun to be be there in the atmosphere. So one of, And John Mita Perel, who used to be here yep. in Charlotte. John's the voice of the BC Eagles. So one of his friends, Paul Scharf, who lives uh, here in Charlotte, we become friends. And so Paul and I were going to go meet uh, John for lunch um, at like 2 o'clock or something like that. And then we're going to go to the stadium. So Paul and I are driving through Fanscap. It's Paul's car. And it was uh, kind of like um, raining like it is today. We're taping this on Thursday. Uh, except it was like a steady rain and it was all day. And it hadn't rained through that area apparently in like six weeks. So we're, we're driving up one of those inclines, those steep inclines, and um, all of a sudden, it's one of those feelings I'll never forget. I could just feel the back end of the car. I was on the passenger side. I could just feel the back end of the car wiggle a little bit, and the next thing I know, we're spinning around, and I don't know how we didn't get hit. There, there was a car just past us, and there was one behind us that missed us. We spun around in the road, turned left, went into the median, flipped around like twice, and Paul and I remember this uh, specifically being upside down and looking at each other. Like sometimes when you're in an accident, things just slow down. And, right. And um, the only the only injury, I have a little scar right on my right pinky. The window next to me blew out. My laptop bag went out the back window of his car, went, went about 50 yards behind the car. Um, some people stopped and brought it up to us. Uh, and the guy in the ambulance was like, you guys are lu- – you don't know how lucky you are. Wow. And it hadn't like, cause, and the problem was the the road was really slick because it, it uh, there was all this like rubber that had been on the road, and now the wa- the rain and uh, so there's a lot of. I think what happened was my professional opinion um, was that because uh, I'm big in accident reconstructions, um, I think we hydroplaned, and I think there was a crosswind, and I think it was the confluence of those two events that that spun us out. Because he wasn't, I, I don't know why I remember this. A couple minutes before this happened, I remember looking at the speed, and we were doing the speed limit. It wasn't like it wasn't like we were doing eighty. So, just the condition that's my, being uh, what it is. That's my weather. Well, I'm story. glad that's a tough one. I'm glad yeah. glad you survived, as, as we all are, because otherwise the podcast would not be nearly as interesting <laughs> no, as me talking to myself. It would just myself. be the pregame podcast. <laughs> right after, I'd have to get get Brett to come in and McMillan to do the postgame part of it. But uh, for for the family's sake, for your boy John and everyone, I'm glad yeah, it worked out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, me too. Speaking of which, so the pregame at ten from yep. uh, Washington postgame right. with Mike and uh, Brett coming up after the game, and uh, hopefully we're talking about a win next week when we do this. Looking ahead to Philadelphia a week from today. Where do you guys stay in DC? Do you know? I do know. I just haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. But we're staying. <laughs> we get the hotel list before the season begins. I actually haven't even looked. Is it like college? Because I know. Um, when I was traveling with BC back in the day, like Tom Coughlin, like if, if you were playing in West Virginia, like let's say the Mountaineers, like we would stay somewhere like two hours south of, like just in the middle of nowhere. Is it kind of like that? Or do you guys generally stay in like a metropolitan area? No, we stay close to town. Um, I know this, we have a, a sales client dinner the night before and we're not far from like the DC area oh, and nice. all that. So can't tell you which, Hopefully I know we're not in the, Maryland. I think we're in Virginia somewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's Alexandria, but we're we're somewhere right nearby. Hopefully, you're staying at the uh, the Marriott by the Key Bridge, it's right across from Georgetown. That's a fun. Well, we haven't before, so we're probably not probably this not. time. Okay, so I've got the list. I haven't checked into it, but I'll let you know when I get back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll text you. Text when me. We get there. No, text me when you get there. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm deeply concerned. All right. So for the rest of you knuckleheads, that information's classified anyway. So uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thanks for listening.
Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.